episode 12 of the Nostalgia Mixtape, a podcast that celebrates all things that give us nostalgic feels from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, as well as new pop culture events with a throwback twist. I'm your host, Ty Gooden. Hello, world. It's Christina. And today we are talking about remixes, how much we love them, how sometimes they're better than the original, and how, why, pretty much why they matter in music. Um, But before we get to today's episode, Please make sure you follow us on all the socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Nostalgia Mix Pod. And you can also keep the conversation going with the hashtag Nostalgia Mix Pod if you have any reactions to what we're saying or any additional thoughts of your own. Please subscribe to us. Sorry. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) On iTunes and Google Play and rate our podcast. We can also be found on Podbean and at our WordPress page at nostalgiamixpod.wordpress.com. So before we get into the recap today, um, just a couple of little housekeeping items that we just want to kind of breeze through before we get in. First, thank you guys so much for participating in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina live tweet with us. We did that live tweet last weekend, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that was so, so much fun. Um, the series for me was just kind of okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wasn't necessarily thrilled about it. I had more fun man. like live tweeting and interacting with people more than anything else than I did actually watching the series. Like if we hadn't been live tweeting it, I probably wouldn't have watched the whole thing. Uh, so we did our Saturday live tweet, which was episodes four through seven. Yeah. And I am not going to be watching the rest of the series. Like I don't <laughs> like, <laughs> like you were saying outside of, you know, interacting with people and like seeing what other people were saying, like it was just the big meh for me. And I was like, is this going to be over anytime soon because i um, i was bored like to be perfectly honest um and some of the show's episodes were a little creepy so it's just kind of like i'm good yeah well i I expected the creep factor because i was you know even though i haven't really read the comics like that i was familiar kind of with the tone and the vibe of the comics and stuff so you know i kind of expected that um i love michelle gomez in it but i just love her anyway Mm -hmm. because of doctor who and everything like that like she's just she plays such a good baddie Mm-hmm. Um, so she was probably one of the highlights for me, but the cousin know, was just... also amazing. The cousin, what's his oh, name? Oh yeah, Ambrose. Yes, he is amazing. He is awesome. He was probably my favorite part of the whole show. Give him his own show, or give him more time on next season if y'all do a season two. This is the bomb. He is living my best life. Like yes, he's got all his like nice robes. He's in the house not having to talk to humans. God. He's drinking tea all day. He's just coming with like snappy one liners. Like he's really living my best life. And I just I don't understand what I've done wrong. (laughs) Anytime she does something like Uh, Oh, oh goodness. Just be glad you didn't watch those last three episodes because she just worked my nerves so bad because I did Friday and Sunday. So I ended up by design having to watch the whole thing. Uh Um those last three episodes, man, she just Ooh, if I could have reached through the TV and just like shook her already bobbling head. Did you notice that? Like when she, t- the actress, when she was, you know, kind of saying her lines and everything like that, I noticed that her head like bobbles a lot. And I don't understand if she was trying to like process the lines or I've never seen her in anything else before. So I don't know Me if that's either. like a, a normal trait for her or not. But once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. It was just, yeah. why is your head bobbling like that? It's just, I, I don't know. There's something weird. My Reminded me of thing. a Funko with the bobbling head. Right. My thing with the show is that, like, 
there's something going on with the audio of the show. Like, I'm a bit of an audiophile. Like, I went to school for live sound, so, like, certain yeah. things stick out to me more than other things. And there's just something weird about, like, when people are whispering and casting spells or, like, there's something that I can't quite put my finger on about the way the actress who plays Sabrina talks that bugs me. So anytime I listen to her talking or going on one of her tirades or, like, with her big plan, I'm just kind of like, please stop talking because whatever it is about your voice is bugging me. Is like it was grating, poking me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was right a now. bit grating, <laughs> and I want it to stop. Please make it stop. You know, um, but either way, all in all, we had fun doing the live tweet with you guys. Um, so thanks to Kayla, um, and Machine Podcast and Nerds of Prey. It was so much fun to kind of get a chance to interact with them and for them to kind of bring us into the fold and allow us to be a part of that experience as the new podcast on the block because. Nerds of Prey is, you know, very popular, well-established and everything. I know the ladies over there and they're all fantastic. And Megasheen's been around for a couple of years, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're kind of the newbies that were in there. So that was really cool. So thanks to you guys for tuning in for that. We will um, be doing more of them, though, because I really enjoyed that. That was yeah, so much fun. It is. Well, I, I've got a chance to do it before because remember, I did the Bobby Brown one. And that oh, was a yeah. lot of fun getting a chance to interact with some folks. Um, what else? Also, uh, just quick, short, short apology to you guys for last week for not being able to deliver an episode last week. Um, both of us just had so much going on and there's so many things that are going on, especially now as we're leading up to the holidays and everything like that. So with that said, uh, our last episode for this season will come the same week as Thanksgiving. So two weeks from now, and then we'll be done for the year. But we will return on January 10th with a new episode and a solid season two format for you guys. Um, but we'll still be on Twitter. We'll still be retweeting things. Uh, you can catch Christina at Sing My Blue, B-L-U. Mm -hmm. And you can catch me at Ty Gooden. We're, we're on our individual pages and we'll also be on the podcast page as much as we can. Just kind of retweeting those nostalgic type things that you see on the timeline. So just want to let you guys know that. So we've got this episode. And then we have one more episode for the year, and then we will be on holiday break, um, which is great because yes. we got a lot going on. <laughs> I'm going to sleep so much. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. So I'm working two jobs. Nobody knows this because we haven't really talked about it, but I'm splitting my time between my main job at the theater and another one. And it's just like, oh, my God, once once this election over, I'm going to sleep so hard. <laughs> like, all of the yep. sleep. Yeah, and do some I'm spring cleaning in the winter. Yeah, I'm doing doing my writing thing, still freelancing. I also, um, and I'm sure I've mentioned to you guys before that I am a uh, TV writer for Bustle. So I've been covering some shows for Bustle. I've been covering some stuff for Hypable. I'm doing freelance stuff. And I also have been doing some temp work for my old job that has me kind of been helping to train a new person and all of that stuff. So <laughs> between all of those things and then, you know, just other things we got going on in life, things just got we are kind of out of whack last yeah, yeah. We, we got out of whack last week but thankfully we're back everybody's good you know people were wondering if there was like an emergency or something like that there was no dire emergency or anything like that we just didn't have no. the time um, because it does take time you know to record a podcast and uh christina does you know our editing and everything like that so there's a time factor there on her piece um whereas i do kind of like the managing the content calendar and all of that stuff so it, you know it really makes a difference yeah, I was thinking about this since you brought up, you know, me doing the editing and you doing like the planning and stuff like that. Like in the timeline of our podcast, like she does all the stuff before we record and I do all the stuff after and mm -hmm. it just takes time. Not necessarily a lot of time, not necessarily. It's not, it's challenging. It's not hard work. We've definitely learned a lot 
Um, but you know, it's just we're learning our balance of like doing this and the rest of our lives. All the other things between us, we got like six jobs. (laughs) Yes. Six jobs, a whole bunch of other stuff going on, dreams and aspirations, and this podcast as well. So, you know. Right. I mean, this is like yesterday. I was at my my oldest daughter is in the fourth grade and she is in the on a Lego robotics team. Mm -hmm. And so yesterday from eight to five, I was at a Lego robotics competition. That sounds like fun. It actually was really fun. It was really cool. Um, and the kids, I mean, their creativity and the things that they came up with, because the age range for the kids started at around fourth grade. I think it was fourth through eighth grade, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Uh, the school she goes to is third through eighth grade, but you can't participate in Lego robotics until the fourth grade. So this mm-hmm. is her first year doing it. Um, so her team didn't do the best, uh, but still just to see them like going in and updating things and fixing their programming and seeing her to like come up with her own programs and stuff like that is really cool. I mean, these kids are nine and 10 years old. So yeah. That was pretty. That was pretty awesome. I definitely wasn't doing anything like that when I was nine or ten. But then again, mm. that was also in the nineties. <laughs> right. I'm quite jealous because Lego robotics sounds like you know something right up my alley. I love Legos so much. It's kind of an obsession. But oh uh, my god, the older kids like their their robots that they came up with were amazing. These things were like they were just like punching in like a program and code or whatever, and it's just the thing would like just go off on its own, and it was like picking up stuff and hitting like you know hitting bells and doing all of this stuff it was really wow. cool yeah that sounds awesome so it was it was cool so what do you have for us today for our nostalgia recap um so my nostalgia recap this week is actually going to focus on things that i've actually done over the last few weeks versus like the anniversary of certain things um so oh. the first thing um after our last show I think we recorded on like a Tuesday and then I left to go to Charlotte for a couple days. Um, and I went to go see Mike Shinoda in concert. For those of you who don't know Mike Shinoda, he is the rapper slash lead of Linkin Park, um, along with Chester Bennington, who, you know, died last July. Um, I told mm-hmm. myself, um, I've never seen Linkin Park in concert, which makes me very sad because I'll never get to see the original Linkin Park. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mike came out with an al- a solo album this year and went on tour. Um, and I said, if he was coming anywhere near me, come hell or high water, I was going. So um, the tickets were actually pretty, really affordable. Um, I had a great time. He did a mix of, you know, songs from his solo project uh, that he came out with this year, uh, some Linkin Park songs. He did some Fort Minor songs, which is another side project of his. Um, he did a song that was kind of like a one-off with him and the Executioners, um, which is a group of DJs that from like the 90s, early 2000s. Um, yeah. It was just so, so much fun. It was um, also like a very healing experience. Um, one of the things he talked about was how he had had a journalist come to the show before mine. And that journalist kind of got it wrong with like, you know, this is you know, a sad occasion and everything is just in memorial of Chester and all that stuff, which it is, but not so sad, but more of a celebration and being thankful and grateful for the fact that, you know, we still get to have the music that Chester sang and the Lincoln Park music. Um, and just being happy that we got to experience that and being happy that, you know, the rest of the band is still going on. I, they haven't said whether or not they're still going to go on as Lincoln Park and I'm not rushing them to make that decision at all. Um, but it was just good to be around other people that love the music. You know, when I go to concerts, even if I'm going by myself, I always make friends. Um, so, like, I got to, you know, 
jam out with the people that were standing next to me. It was so much fun. Um, I cried a little bit because he did a couple of Linkin Park songs that uh, Chester mostly led, and he let the audience sing Chester's parts, and that was Aww. kind of depressing, but also, like... But it's also kind of beautiful, though. It is. Um, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. He did, like, In the End and um, Crawling and something else. Um but it was so much fun. So, so much fun. I got so many videos and stuff that I haven't posted yet because I killed my phone last week. But thank, thank God for iCloud backup and they're all back on my new phone. Um, so I'll be posting some of those here shortly. Um, one of the best moments of that show was um, like halfway through the show, some, some random kid yelled out, hey, can I sing Running From My Shadows? I mean, can I play Running From My Shadows with you? Which is one of Mike's songs from this album. Um, mm -hmm. And Mike was like, if we can do that but i'll see um and then running from my shadows ended up being the last song and sure enough he called the kid up on stage and his like tech guy gave him a guitar and was like here have a ball um and i got quite a bit of video of that guy on stage playing with lincoln park well playing with mike shinoda and the other guys that were in his band uh, and it was just kind of cool for him to be able to do that um like you don't it's a smaller venue. We were at the Fillmore. It wasn't like a large, like 20,000 seat venue. It was oh, like yeah. a, like a small, maybe I think less than a thousand seat place. Um, and it was standing room only. Um, I love so places just like that fun. though. It's just Same. got like the intimate feel to it. You yeah. Know? Except for, you know, standing up forever sucks sometimes, but I had a great time and that moment was amazing. Um, I got a tour book that was like a, well, not a tour book. It was like the album artwork book that mm -hmm. had some poems that his wife had that Mike's wife wrote um, and some art that he drew. And then like, if you flip the book upside down and around, it's a coloring book. So um, that was cool. He has like this uh, vending machine merch ATM thing where you can like pick what you want and slot a card and it drops out of the bottom like a vending machine, um, which is like the silliest thing I've ever, like the silliest in a good way thing I've ever seen at a concert. Uh -huh. um, I'm fairly certain more people will have those. And then like, you know, one of those gift booths where you can take a picture and it, it'll make a little gift of you that you can put post on different things. Uh, I had a really great time going to Charlotte. It's like my second home. Uh, I rented a hotel and just kind of hung out and did nothing and saw Mike Shinoda and had a great time. So, you know, Lincoln Park's one of my favorite bands. I'm glad I got that experience. I wish I could go to another show, but I will cherish that experience getting to see Mike Shinoda in concert forever. Um, so that was my first thing. I talk way too much um and no, so the second thing that i did um last week was the 10th anniversary of twilight the movies slash book series that came out you know um in 2008 um mm -hmm. i am well not really anymore but i was a huge fan of them when they came out um like i read every single one of the books and saw every single one of the movies in theaters um and it's kind of how my best friend Karina and I bonded when we were working together. Um, we both realized that we were both fans of it and just kind of have been thick as thieves ever since. Um, and so I mentioned to her that it was happening and she said, let's go. And I said, all right. Um, I had a gift card that I could use for it. Mm -hmm. And we went to go see Twilight. It was kind of cool because um, I haven't seen the movie in a very, very long time. Um, I think the first one's the best one. Well, the first one's the second best. The last one is the first best. And then all the ones in the middle are just kind of meh. Um, meh is like one of my favorite words. <laughs> like, <laughs> you feel like very meh today. <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah, I am. Um, so they did like a small little featurette before the movie started where like 
it was one of the guys that played one of the vampires, not Robert Pattinson and the chick that directed the movie. Um, I'm fairly certain she was on drugs the entire time because she just sounded... She sounds like a hippie, basically. Is the you easiest. said not Robert Pattinson? Are you talking about... Oh, uh, God, what's his name? Taylor? Taylor Lautner? No, not him. He was one of the werewolves. Okay. It wasn't him either. Um, oh, okay. I was totally expecting Taylor Lautner to become a big thing, and he just kind of has disappeared since Twilight. He but... really has. I was just about to say, where where is he? Where did he go? Like, like I, you would think thought... after being in such a prominent role that he would move on to some other things right so robert pattinson was not in it and kristen stewart was not in it because you know they out doing other things and being awesome um right it was the one that played um jasper um i think his name is jake jason or jackson rathbone he was also in the avatar the last airbender movie that we pretend doesn't exist he played Sokka, and it was awful um <laughs> But uh, it was him and the director and they were going around the little Portland city that they shot the movie in and they like visited the diner and they visited like the Cullen house, which is kind of cool because that house, even if you don't like Twilight, the house where the Cullens, which are the vampires and the series lived is pretty dope. That house is dope. Um, And so they went and saw the guy who owns that house and still lives in it. um, And they toured the house and everything. And um, there were people standing outside the house because apparently that's the thing that people do is like go Mm -hmm. to portland and like do the twilight tour or whatever because like the diner has like pictures and stuff up from the um from the movie and like all the different places in the woods that bella and edward like hung out at or had various conversations that have like little markers that say this scene was shot here and so on and so forth um so that was kind of cool they even went to like the high school that they shot like all the scenes and stuff in so that was kind of cool that was about a 20 minute featurette and then the actual movie which me and my best friend kind of just sat off in a corner and clowned the entire time because we were like what were we thinking (laughs) well i mean you know it's always it's like that with so many things when you see them younger you're like so into it and then you look at it through adult eyes and you're like "Mm." (laughs) this is not as great as i thought it was like like maybe what, what is this Maybe you shouldn't have been hanging out with Edward, the guy who thinks you smell and wants to eat you. And maybe, like, you know, running off with him into the sunset is not the smartest idea. And maybe, like, you shouldn't have lied to your father about somebody being after you and trying to kill you. And all this other (laughs) stuff. Like, the movie was just doing the most. So many things went wrong. It's got... Yeah, uh, I did. I definitely... You know, I read the books and saw the movies and stuff. But I was never really... I don't know. I just never really got into Twilight like that. It just wasn't my thing. I've always been into vampires. Like, Interview with a Vampire is one of my favorite books and movies ever. Um, So it was just kind of a thing. You know, vampires, werewolves, supernatural things. Um, I am still trying to figure out why Stephanie Myers decided that what she... The thing that would set her vampires apart from all the other vampires and all the other series is that they sparkle. Like... Girl, what I was you, like, well, why? <laughs> that's that's the best thing you could come up with to to differentiate them from other people was sparkly, sparkly vampires. That's what why? We're doing. Like, what is okay? Just... I mean, I ain't mad though. She made a whole lot of money, so I mean, yeah, I'm never gonna be mad at the amount of money she made. Like, there are other vampires that can't read people or like can't read their you know partners' minds, and you know can pass for human, and like you know, Blade is technically a vampire. Just, All these I'm fun things that they can do. <laughs> you want to make them sparkle. That's okay, Stephanie. I mean, you, you, you put your glitter in there and stuff and made your money. 
that's fine, I guess. But, you know, all in all, it was a great time to see it and see something that I haven't seen in so long. Like I said, it's been years since I've watched those movies. My favorite one is still going to be the last one because the Breaking Dawn Part 2 fixed my problem with Breaking Dawn the movie mm -hmm. um, with the big fight at the end, even though seeing Carlisle's head ripped off, spoiler alert, um, was Oh, it's not a spoiler most... by now, dog. If right. you ain't seen it by now, then I don't know what to tell you. Watching Carlisle get his head ripped off was probably one of the most traumatizing things I have ever seen in my life because everybody loves Carlisle. Carlisle's the best. And then Esme went ham and that was all she wrote for the rest of the fight uh, I was Esme in that moment where uh, I was ready to kill somebody like, yeah, I, was blind rage. Jump, I was trying to jump through this I wanted to jump through the screen and fight the Volturi myself seeing that cause I like the entire theater was like wait a minute what yeah so fun times reminiscing awesome. on things and like you know Getting to experience, you know, joy, the joy that movies and music and all those things can bring to your life. Um, it's a fun couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely need that joy in the midst of just all the other things that are going on. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I've got I take so where I can get many, it. so many things this week. I got, so I got to hurry up and get through all of them because otherwise we'll end up doing a whole episode about, <laughs> about recaps, which actually may not be a bad idea to do that one day. Probably not. But not today. Um, mm -mm. So... First one I had was Beyonce's Halloween outfits. She Beyonce kills always it. kills it every year for Halloween. She's just, I mean, number one, she's Beyonce and she's got the the money and the range and the time and the mm -hmm. photographers and all of that stuff to be able to mm -hmm, recreate mm -hmm. perfect looks. So in case you've been living under a rock, um, Beyonce was Tony Braxton this year, which she called herself Phony Braxton. Hilarious. Hilarious. But she redid the but, like, um, album cover to Tony's self-titled album, which was her first album, which was a perfect album like you can't come out with a much better debut than that or whatever her first album you could just play the whole thing without skipping a track it is so many hits on that first album it's crazy so she redid the whole look for her where she had like the short haircut that everybody wanted to have with the mm -hmm. you know with the leather jacket on and everything and Beyonce looked amazing um Tony also reposted the pictures on her Instagram page and was like, girl, you look better than me. Then I looked on my own Apple cover and she, you could tell she was just so delighted. Mm -hmm. um, but I really love Beyonce's caption. First of all, I like that Beyonce is like putting captions on things now. Cause it's almost like, it's like, she's sort of kind of almost talking to us almost. in a way. A yeah, bit. almost a little bit talking to us. So she put the caption up there just saying, you know, calling Tony a, uh, you know, icon and somebody that was a pioneer and everything like that. And, and I love that about Beyonce. I mean, even something as small as what she does for Halloween, like one year, I think her and um, her mom and blue were like salt and pepper. So she's always mm -hmm. paying homage to excellent black women, whether it's women in sports or women in music or, you know, different genres and everything like that. So I love seeing her dress up like Tony. And then just when I thought she was done, she came back and came out with outfits. Flojo. Oh my God. Like Killed as soon as I saw it. it, I like literally screamed. <laughs> I was like, oh you my better God. better do that. Yes. She better I mean, do it. She killed Flo it. Jo, Flojo's fashion and stuff like that for, you know, the time period that she was around, it's still so relevant today. The nails, the, you know, the hair and everything like that. I could totally see where Beyonce would have been inspired by her fashion wise. Oh yeah. The crazy color outfits with one leg out and one leg like right. in a bodysuit, like Style but it was icon. so dope for her to do that because you've got so many of her younger fans now, um, you know, people that were, 
born in the 2000s and stuff like that that love Beyonce now and they may not have even known who Flojo was um, mm -hmm. and now they've gone out and they've googled and researched her and just found out how instrumental she was to the world of track and field and how incredible how incredible of an athlete she was you know because mm -hmm. I feel like she's one of those when you're looking back and you're talking about great track athletes she you know, it's definitely well-respected and well-known by a bit of an older generation. I would say our generation and up, but a lot of the younger people don't really know her and know her story. They know Shelly Ann Frazier and they know people like that that are kind of, yeah. you know, hot and good now or whatever. They may, you know, may know a little bit of something about, you know, um, Alex, Allison Felix or somebody like that. But I mean, all of those people were definitely inspired by Flojo. I mean, she's yeah. still watching old videos of her running track. It's just mind-blowing. She, she was so it. fast. She was killing like, people with like one leg out, like you said, and stockings on. <laughs> like, who, who does that? Only Flojo could do that. Exactly. And nobody's been able to replicate that style since, I don't think. I mean, mm -mm. also, I don't really pay attention to track and field like that. Uh, sports ball is just, sports in general have just never really been my thing. So apologies if I said that wrong. But like, style icon, like as a track yeah. star, a style icon. And usually that's something that just, you know, style is not really a big thing you're just out there you're you right. know you're doing whatever event you're in and stuff like that and it just kind of is what it is but i mean right. i don't i don't think there's ever really been another track star like that that's put so much thought into her look and want to you know and care so much about looking good and presenting a certain image and stuff so yeah shout out to beyonce for honoring the greats honoring some legends you know and doing it so effortlessly oh, which so i know it's not really effortlessly but at least it looks that way it looks that way and that's all that matters I did. I loved it. Um, I also had Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. They yes. released the, their little video clip together. You know, we love Will Smith here. And they are coming out with Bad Boys 3. And I'm going to be right there in the theater watching it. Me because too. it's Will Smith. Like, Will Smith and Denzel are like... Somebody asked this question on Twitter a few days ago. They were asking, you know, what's your one actor or actress that, like, no matter what they're in, even if it sounds like the dumbest thing ever, that you'll go and watch it just because they're in it. And I was like, oh, Will Smith and Denzel... And Viola, like Viola Davis is like my, like my main woman that I will go and see pretty much anything that right. any of the three of them are in. So it can sound like the dumbest movie ever. I just oh, don't yeah. care. Those are givens for me, you know, Denzel, Viola, Will, and all that stuff. My person is The Rock. I don't care if the movie is trash. Like, I'm going to go If The Rock's see... in it, you're going to see it? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to go watch that Hobbs and whomever, Jason Statham movie, because I also love Jason Statham. I have not seen a Fast and Furious movie since, like, the third one. I don't care. I'm oh, going to go good. see you it didn't and I'm going anything. to enjoy it. Right. No, I'm fairly anything. certain I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to go watch that movie. Now, The Rock, I love you, but I need you to do three good movies a year and not 15. We're going to talk about that later. But, yeah, if, he does if The Rock is in it, I'm going to go see it. Yeah, but that's it for me. So I'm like, Will Smith, hey, I'm, I'm there. You know, I mean, I like Martin, and not to say, you know, that I don't like Martin Lawrence or anything right. like that or whatever. I do like him. But I mean, Will Smith is like, that's, that's, that's my guy right there. That's my dude. Like anything he's in, guy. I'm going to go see it. Um, anything he's a part of, like when he, um, he was just recently on Jada's Facebook talk show, the Red Talk Table or Red Table Talk, Red Table Talk, excuse me. Yes. And so. So good. Oh, uh, it was so good. But I mean, as soon as she said that she was going to have Will up there. I was like, oh. I'm there immediately. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. And it was absolutely amazing. So I don't know what the plot is. I don't really care. I don't know. What, I, they'll be shooting at people. They'll, they'll be cursing. There'll um, be cars flipping over. and Yeah, things are going to explode. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
there will be drugs of some sort. I'm sure if somebody's going to be part of some type of drug carts, I don't know. The bad really guys care. are going to go down. That's all that matters. Yeah, I, I don't really care. Will Smith is still fine to me, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll be watching him, hopefully with short sleeves on or no sleeves, which would be even great. Just be there, looking fine. I don't even have to really have the volume up. Just watch him. Now that's now you're just being extra tired. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just being extra. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, this is this is getting borderline. This is getting borderline. All right, we are a friend. A family-friendly <laughs> podcast. Speaking of fam- family-friendly podcast and not being family-friendly and all that jazz, uh, mm-hmm. where is the Janet Jackson sex playlist? Um, I tweeted it out. Okay. So I it's out there. You. It is. Okay. It's out there. I tweeted out a few days ago and stuff. So that's how much had... I pay attention. I'm awful. Sorry, guys. Okay. So that playlist starts off with like some sexual songs and stuff like that. But then I also wanted to kind of wrap it up with some of like her really nice love song. So I put like, because of love and Aww. you know, a couple of other things up there too. So it's like a love and I call it love and sex capades. Jack oh, Jackson that's cute. Mm-hmm. I like it. I do. So yeah, if you guys missed that on the Twitter timeline, I'll have to make sure I retweet that out or, you know, send out a couple more tweets about it. But if you guys missed that, check it out. Cause I think it's pretty good. And if you've got suggestions, tweet us and let us know. And I'll be glad to see where I can fit them in. I even tried to, you know, arrange the songs by like a certain tempo and all of that stuff. So I think it's pretty Look cool. Look at you. I did. I think I did pretty good. But we'll we'll see. We'll see what the people think. Uh, Either way, so my next one is Matrix Revolutions. Turned 15 this year. Um, was not my favorite Matrix movie. Is that the second one or the third one? The third one. The third one is weird. Yeah, like, it, the Matrix it was not my favorite one. Like the first two were general. like no, the first two I loved them. The Matrix Revolutions was just okay to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the fact that it came out 15 years ago and how influential and how ahead of its time like when you go back and look at all of the matrix movies they look really good mm-hmm. to have come out so long ago because especially when you put them kind of apples to the apples with other uh you know science fiction heavy cgi movies from back during that time or whatever like it looked good and really had kind of a cool concept or whatever and a really cool arc that kind of played out over the trilogy or whatever yeah. so 15 years of that i can't even believe it's been that long that's crazy either like such such a good excuse me (coughs) okay i'm done now sorry about that um i enjoyed them too i like like you the third one is not necessarily my favorite movie in the whole wide world the the ending i'm still not necessarily the hugest fan of but you know i didn't write it so it's okay um but like such a groundbreaking trilogy i think so many things were never the same after those movies came out. Right. Like, the first one is just iconic and can never be defeated whatsoever. Um, the trilogy as a whole is pretty great. Um, and, like, technology-wise, like, that movie changed the game, especially with, you know, the 360, you know, mm-hmm. all the way circle around shot. Right. And all that People jazz. were like, like just, what? Right. You had never seen anything like that before. Like, it was super crazy. And it's a technique and, that I've seen used a lot to this day, too. So, like, you just know what? groundbreaking. You might be, I think he's on my list, too, of, like, people that you'll see him in no matter what. Yeah. He might be but on my usually, list But well. usually what he's in is good, though, because I love him as John Wick now. I cannot wait for John Wick 3 to happen. Yes. Cannot wait. Kind of sad to see that trilogy be over, but so good. 
But I feel like it's it's good to end something on top than to just kind of drag it out and make like 15 movies of it. Like, I mean, the first two were solid. I'm sure this third Mm -hmm. one will be solid. I mean, if you can come out with just three movies and just wrap it up and let it be a let it be a solid thing. Why not? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to beat something into the ground. You know, I'm excited. There's photos of him like riding a horse around New York. And I'm just like, Keanu Reeves on a horse. Sign me up. Right. There was one where they had I think they had like the stunt, like a stunt person in opposite of him. And it was kind of like a behind the scenes thing. But he was making the shooting sound (laughs) in the video. So he's like, pew, 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 pew. (laughs) I love love that so much because he's totally like in John Wick mode or whatever. And so you've got somebody with like a green suit on or something like that. He's just like, pew, 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 pew. And I'm like, he is such a clown background you know behind the scenes videos of fights being choreographed are like so my weird. favorite thing in the whole wide world like so much fun to watch him there's some videos floating around of the elevator fight from um what's that movie the winter soldier that i love to watch like i yeah. love behind the scenes videos about fight scenes like they make me some kind of happy so now i have to go find that because the idea of him doing the pew 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 sound makes me giggle and it was it's... somewhere on Twitter. Why didn't I? I don't know why I didn't like. I feel like I may have retweeted it, but okay, it's, it's probably like hiding in my likes or something like that. But that was hilarious to me. I mean, he's too cute. If I was in a fight scene, I'd be making like random hi-ya sounds all the time. So you know, right? I get it. I do. So I love him. Yeah, and I mean, Matrix is just—it's great. I mean, they—and of course that that came from the same minds that later developed Sense Eight. So. One of my favorite shows ever in oh. the history of the world. Every time I think about it, we just, we did like a collective side then. <laughs> We're both like, oh. I just our love show. That show. Love that show so much. So yeah, Matrix Evolution, 15 years. Woo Next thing I have, um, so there is a Twitter account called 80s Then, 80s Now. And they just do all sorts of movie, TV, books, toys everything like 80s is on that mm-hmm. twitter account um our nostalgia account follows them and then i also follow them from my personal page but for halloween leading up to halloween they did these rounds of uh horror movies so they would present you with like six horror movies and just tell you to basically pick one out of the six mm-hmm. and that was so much fun so I-, I love horror movies and especially have a affinity for 80s horror movies so me and a few of the followers um thank you guys so much for kind of tweeting back and forth with me or whatever we talked about the thing um we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street. We talked about The Shining. We talked about uh, Lost Boys. Um, gosh, we talked about so many things. We just talked about like John Carpenter just in general or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Child's Play. Uh, just so many different movies that they kind of had. They had really, really good ones. It was hard to choose between the six that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll link that in the show notes or whatever. And you'll be able, even though Halloween's all over and done, I mean, it's never a bad time to go through and like do something like a round of things like that. So thank you guys for having a good conversation with me and thanks to them for tweeting it out and kind of doing something really cool leading up to Halloween. Yup. I went to go see the nightmare before Christmas cause I couldn't not go see the nightmare before Christmas. Um, I actually, did I see it twice? I feel like I saw it twice. I know I saw it at least once because that's just my thing for Halloween. Mm-hmm. I don't do them scary movies like the rest of y'all. All those movies Todd just named, I <laughs> have like probably only seen one of them. Just can't do it. But, uh, that was my, my Halloween celebration and eating all the candy that we didn't, you know, give out to kids. Yeah, no, we um, took the kids out. They got scared mm-hmm. by a man with a chainsaw, but that's a that's a different topic for a different day. Oh, wow. I'm gonna it have was to fantastic. hear that story later. I laughed. 
And so my last thing I have, um, Complex recently tweeted out a list of their 50 best 90s R&B songs. So I took some time and like went through it, just kind of skimmed through to see what they had. And it wasn't bad, guys. Like they put together a pretty, sometimes lists can be kind of hit or miss, but they put together mm-hmm. a pretty solid list. Um, yeah. So we're going to link that in the show notes. You guys go and check it out. Um, you know, we'll just kind of let that be what it is. So don't, you know, don't don't expect us to talk about it now because we're not. <laughs> um, so you guys go see what you think about it and then tweet us and let us know your thoughts and what you think they may you know, may should have put in there, what they should have maybe left out or whatever. So that was a lot of fun. And that kind of leads into today's topic about remixes or whatever. So to me, you know, I know different genres do remixes and everything. But to me, when I think about remixes, I think about hip hop. I think about Mm R&B. For the most part. Yeah, I mean, for the most part. For the most part. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I get it. Like, you know, electronic, um, electronic dance hall music and stuff like that. Definitely do it. Um, As a matter of fact, and I didn't even know this until I just kind of started perusing around the Internet, thinking about remixes and kind of wondering, because I never really thought about, like, the origin Mm -hmm. of it. Come to find out, found this article that said that the origin of remixes started with Jamaican dance hall culture in the 60s and 70s nice so remixes go back like when we think about remixes we're thinking maybe back to the 80s yeah maybe but i mean the fact that it went back even 20 years prior to that um and that it also has someone from you know people from the you know black diaspora that had an involvement in that number one it's not surprising um and number two it's actually really cool or whatever and so you can kind of see where that kind of segued in and then you think about how like djs in the 70s and 80s really were pioneers as far as American culture of doing remixes and stuff like that, because they would loop tracks around. They would take, you know, hip hop songs and stuff like that and put them over dance beats and stuff like that, or disco beats to kind of keep people, you know, vibing and jamming on the dance floor or whatever. So, I mean, you know, the, the history of remixes or whatever, I didn't get a chance to dive in a whole lot, but the basics of what I read, um, and I will link that those in the show notes to you um, as well. That article that I read was just super dope to, to find out that remixes have been around that long like an argument can be made that like hip-hop itself was birthed from a remix because like you were saying you know they just take you know beats from other genres of music and loop Mm -hmm. them together and then start rapping over them right technically that's a remix so you know um you could kind of say that you know the hip-hop genre in and of itself is birthed out of you know remixes and remix right remixes remixes is sampling yeah yeah, remixing things and sampling things. I mean, taking things that thing. they grew up on. So the artists of that time and, you know, the 80s and 90s are looking back at like the 60s and 70s and stuff and taking things that they grew up on that were a part of their childhood. So really, the genre almost has like a nostalgia feel to it. Exactly. When you really think about it, because they're taking things back from their childhood, music that they grew up listening to or whatever, you know, uh, R&B and, and whatnot and stuff and kind of infusing that into their genre now and so you see artists doing it now with the 90s and and 80s and stuff kind of taking that vibe and you just see it all through the music now you look at different hip-hop artists like even like three six mafia and stuff like that like there are so many artists that have sampled them recently it's it's mind-blowing you know yeah so it's super it's a remix it's super dope everything's kind of like remixing remaking and stuff like that which i love it um you know i think people love remixes so much because really it gets a chance to gives them a chance to kind of mash up different genres Mm -hmm. and experiment and create a new sound that really hasn't been heard before. Um, So it's expanding your audience reach because you're bringing in so many different types of people that may have never been exposed to different types of music before or whatever. 
And, you know, I think that really affected the club and the party scene for the yeah. better. Like, I mean, everybody knows, you know, at least one song that you hear the remix of it in the club and everybody will go crazy. Or you'd have that extended dance track of something or whatever that was like 10 minutes long, but it'll keep you out on the floor. And I mean, it's just so crazy. And I also love how it brought together artists from different genres that you would have exactly. never imagined working together. Like exactly. one example I was thinking about was like Mariah Carey and ODB. Right. In what world? Like one of would the you have... remixes ever. Right. Would, would... There's no way. And I know, like, I even remember reading about it where the label was like, you want to collaborate with who? What? And do what? I don't know. Like, they really thought it was going to, like, do something to tank her image or whatever. And boom, the fantasy remix comes out. And it's a super smash. Yep. Literally one of the greatest remixes of all time. It is. You know, why do you think people love remixes so much? I mean, like, like you have been saying, you know, it mashes up different things. I think another thing is it just kind of reimagines the song in and of itself um like one of my favorite remixes is the drew hill in my bed remix mm-hmm. which the original is like a tragic love song r&b slow jam whatever um but then the remix comes through and it's like oh wait now right. this is like like you turn this into a bop <laughs> like a bop and now i want to dance to the fact that you've been cheated on by your girlfriend like right what? <laughs> it makes you think of songs in a different way it makes you know i've as a songwriter in, you know, a past life, I love being able to, like, take a song and then flip the entire story to where, like, it's from a woman's perspective or a man's perspective. Yeah. You know, anything like that. Like, they're just fun. It's a new way to reimagine the song. It's another way to kind of keep the song on the charts, which I know is part of the reason why labels love them so much. Um, And, you know, extend the life of the song. Right. Uh, And it's always just good to see somebody's, like, different perspective of a song when you remix it um sometimes you know a remix is just slapping a new beat on it and like speeding it up kind of like in my bed because in my bed is just the new beat but it's the same song yeah literally plus the same two lyrics. hip-hop verses and right. everything um and then sometimes it's whole new lyrics and a whole new beat and all those things um put together and it's the same song but it's different or it's like a right. part two of it um same yeah it's like with, maya um, and jay-z like we were talking about exactly. that off my earlier like best of me completely different you know lyrics and everything like that like same kind of overall concept of the song you know you had right. maya and you also have you know the original had uh jadakiss on it yeah and that was the album version and then she did the remix with you know jay-z and everything like that but i mean completely different lyrics completely different beat and everything like that so yeah i mean absolutely i think another good example of that speaking of how you were saying you can kind of take it and bring in a different perspective. Mm-hmm. That's like Method Man and Mary Jane. Um, yes. You know, they're your, your all I need song or whatever. So the original version of that was on, I love Method Man. Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit last episode when we had my sister on how much mm-hmm. we are like Wu-Tang people. Right. So the original version of that song was just called All I Need. And it was on Method Man's Takao album. And mm-hmm. there was no Mary on it. It was just kind of him. He had like wrote the song about, um, I'm presuming his wife, because him and his wife have been together for a really long time. I think they mm-hmm. were dating then. And he was touring. He was really busy, you know, touring with the group and everything like that and really missed her. And so he said he literally, like, flew her out to where he was. And she was laying in bed beside him. And that's, like, how Aww. he got inspired to write his verses, which I think is, I mean, Method Man just... adorable. He does. He just makes my heart melt anyway. But after, you know, I heard that, I was just like, oh, my God. But, I mean, that's... And the original was really, really good or whatever. But Mary just brought in that female perspective that woman's voice and everything like that mm-hmm. and it's probably to me one of the greatest like marriages of hip-hop and r&b on a track absolutely yeah i mean it was you know this huge commercial spat smash and 
it really started like that this new trend of having a singer on a hip-hop track or having a you know a rapper on a singer song or whatever so right. i mean because now you can i mean you can barely listen to the radio for two or three songs without hearing an r&b song with a rapper on it or without hearing Pretty a pop much. song with a rapper on it or you can barely listen to a hip-hop song without hearing somebody singing on the you know singing a hook or doing something like exactly. that you know Everything. which Every, a lot of things are collaborations more so right. now than they've probably ever been. Yeah, yeah. And I think that really kind of jumped it off, even though it really wasn't the first like collaboration like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure because um, I was kind of pondering over this like a couple of days ago. The earliest that I could find where you had like a singer and a hip hop artist who were both prominent and were mm-hmm. both on a track together. Wasn't it Jolie Watley and something? I think it's Shaka Khan and, and Melly Mel on I Feel For You. Because okay. that came out like early, early 80s, is it 83, 84, something like that. And so remember, he was in the, he was rapping in the beginning, like, you mm-hmm. know, Shaka Khan, you know, and all the stuff like that, which it actually was a, <laughs> when he like stutters and says like the Shaka Khan and like a stuttering thing in the beginning, that was actually a oh, mistake. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to be in there, <laughs> but, the, uh, but the producer kept it in and it ended up being hot or whatever. Happy but accidents. Yeah. I don't know if anything, I think with Jody Watley, that may have came a couple of years later. Okay. But if you guys know like... of a song before then, let me know for sure. Because I feel like that's the first one. Because, I mean, Melly Mel was, like, huge then. I mean, he was with, you know, Grandmaster Flash and, the you know, and all that stuff. So. I love that song. Yeah. But, I mean, The Method Man and the Mary J. Blige. I mean, that's, like, that's one like of my favorites. Biggest, one of the biggest ones of the 90s. Definitely. Yeah. And she, like, you know, she worked five. with, like, mad rappers and stuff like that since then. But I don't think she's ever been able to recreate that magic. Oh, no. With anyone uh, else, with any other rapper. No, but uh, one of my favorite remixes, since we're talking about Mary J, and I can go ahead and slide this in now. Um, do you remember the Touch It remix? Yes. Oh my God. Like one of, literally one of my favorite remixes because it took everything that was great about the original Touch It, which is like this song. The thing that makes Touch It great is that A, the hook, two, or B, um, the fact that it starts kind of chill for like half the verse and then gets hyped. It gets super hyped. And then gets chill again <laughs> and then gets hyped. And they did that and like put six people on the remix, including Missy, Rodega, Papoose, I think. Busta got right. another verse on it. Somebody else is on it and I f- completely forgot about it. Um, but Mary out there spitting her. Yes, Mary butt was off up there spitting. Spit. I was like, what? You that guys song. do it, Mary. And holding her own amongst all these other hip hop legends. Right. And like just killed it like listen she let them know she from yonkers new york you can't you she's not gonna come on a track week no that's right not at all papoose was probably one of my favorite verses outside of mary's with the whole like you know putting the five burrows on his hand and things and you know that's probably Mm -hmm. you want to talk about somebody that's like underrated pap Pap is super underrated pap has been around for over a decade and he still doesn't get the amount of love that he deserves i don't think i have never heard it i have never heard him spit anything weak ever ever it's not allowed always comes through and kills it every single time even when it's him and remy ma just kind of like playing around with each other and like going back and forth about how much they love each other it's still like high bars yes like the man is not capable of writing a terrible bar like it's just not possible it is it's crazy you know and it's crazy that you bring up Busta too um because 
when I, you know, Buster just got so many songs and he also jumps on so much stuff too. Like yes. one of the songs I was thinking about was Craig Matt, Flavor in Your Ear. Yes. Because you had Buster, you had LL, um, you had Rampage, and you had Biggie, like on one track. <laughs> like Flavor in Your Ear, it really didn't even need a remix because like the, no. the first one was just crazy like craig mack rest in peace craig mack it feels crazy to even say that but right. i mean the first you know the original was just like absolutely perfect but that remix listen people can say what they want to say about like diddy and his crew and you know diddy messing up people's careers and stuff like yeah. that but diddy knew how to do a remix eye for talent he has he has an, an eye, eye, for talent, eye for talent and he knew how to put together a remix or whatever like you couldn't mess with bad boy remixes back in the nineties. No, you just couldn't. There was everywhere. He, you know, he did that. He did all about the Benjamins, where because mm-hmm. the original version of all about the Benjamins was just him and the Locks. And so right. then when he did the remix, he added Lil Kim and Biggie, and Lil Kim came through and just smashed everybody Lil on Lil it. Lil like, B, huh? who doesn't know the verse of that? Nobody. The whole family. Like what? Oh god. Oh my that god. Was... That song used to come on in the club, and all the women in the club would just. I mean, we just like turn this to like, you just like turn this to like a straight up thug. Like you tap it to your inner thug and you just sort it's, of like wrapping along with, with Lil' Kevin. It's it was one of those moments where like in the club, you know how DJ sometimes will cut the entire song off just to see if you know the lyrics. Yes. Everybody That's knows one it. of those moments. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. I mean, it's just Biggie himself, like everything that he was on in any kind of remix capacity or whatever. So you think about like. 112 only you only we're like yeah we're biggie and mace or whatever i just I'm over here jamming by the way <laughs> jamming what is the the only you originals what does that sound like you know because I, like I, I don't even think i've heard the original <laughs> <laughs> i just thought about I that i don't know why like, what's the original song sound like because i just i mean because when i think of only you the first thing i think of was <laughs> right I thought I told you that we won't stop. Right. And they're like dancing and singing on a bus or something. Like That's all I know. I'm like, what are y'all doing? But I mean, you could add Biggie to anything and make it better. And I mean, even with like Biggie, like one more chance, the remix where he's got, you know, the video is super iconic because he's got Aaliyah in the video. He got Faith in the video. Mm -hmm. He's got, you know, Mary J. There you go again with Mary J. in the video or whatever. Like to me, that's the ultimate example of a remix being way better than the original. Oh, yes. Like, because I'm like, I don't know if you guys have heard the original One More Chance, but mm, nope, it ain't it. Not. Yeah, it ain't it. If you haven't heard it before, that's all I can say is that. And I love Biggie. Um, I really do. But that original is not it. That ain't it. Little Kim's uh, Not Tonight, the original one, that ain't mm-hmm. it either. So glad she did the remix nope. or whatever. I cannot stand the album version of it. Like, I don't even know if other people even know what it sounds like. Probably not. Yeah, no, just I'll, I'll let you guys find that out for yourself. But <laughs> that remix, and that was like one of the, to me, that's one of my favorite remixes because you had so much woman power up there. So you mm-hmm. got Missy again, you got Left Eye, and you got Angie Martinez and Little Kim just all spitting. And I love the camaraderie in the video, how they're all just up there dancing. Mary J's in the video again. Just yes. Mary J was everywhere. She just, if she wasn't on the remix, she was just in the video. Like, because yeah, everybody loves Mary J. Right, Mary J. Like, like, call her. Is she in the song? No, that's all right. Just, she, just let her be on the video. It's all good. Pretty much. Just bring her in here. But yeah, I love that or whatever. And I wish, I don't know. You know, again, I hate to be like one of those people that's like, you know, oh, well, old school is better. New school's not this. New school's not that. But I wish we could see more of that now. Yeah. Like, you don't see women just getting together and spitting on a track anymore like that. 
it's because they're too busy sniping at each other. It's the egos. Like everybody's just letting their egos, their inflated egos and stuff like that get in the way. And you know, that was all of those women. They weren't trying to compete with each other. They all recognized that everybody was very talented. And you're talking Mm -hmm. about really different artists. Look at how different little Kim was from Missy Elliott and how different left eye was from them. And then how different Angie Martinez was from all of, you know, from everybody up there. I mean, there was room for everybody. Exactly. And everybody was cool with that. And everybody wasn't like, Oh, well, you know, Lil' Kim killed Missy on that song or Left Eye killed, you know, Angie Martinez on that song. Like, everybody came that, in and spit just... the fire because everybody was just having a good time. They on jet skis. You know, Lil' Kim looked fly with her little, you know, her little blonde hair, her shades and her little white outfit and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. everybody was just being themselves and just being cool. So... There's a lack of camaraderie around the music industry that I've been noticing recently. Like, you know, that's And that's not just hip hop, that's just in general. Yeah, like that song is only possible because the fact that Little Kim, Missy, Left Eye, and all of those people have relationships with each other and are friends with each other. Right. And like genuinely like each other. Like, that couldn't happen today because they're like I said, they're people that are out there too busy sniping at each other to like go and like there's enough money out here for all of us. Right. Like and it would be so dope to see some of those, some of the talented women that are out here today. Because there are talented women rappers out there today, but I would love to see more of them have a more prom- prominent platform. I think the, you know, for lack of a better term, like the stand culture, as people like to call it or whatever, has just mm-hmm. gotten so prominent now that people feel like there's not room for more than one person. Right. You know, I mean, so everybody, like every woman that even thinks about stepping up to a microphone and rapping now is automatically compared to Nicki Minaj. And I'm like, why can't Nikki just be Nikki and do what she does and this right. person just do what they do? You know, everybody else is yeah, I mean, they just like Nikki. And right. Nobody's supposed to be. Right. Like, I'm like, I mean, there's enough room for everybody. It's like the whole Nikki and Cardi thing and stuff like that. I'm like, I mean, is it really a crime to like more than one female rapper? No, right. absolutely not. Why? Why do people feel like they have to choose one thing and stand for one thing only? Yeah, it's like, and then that, that thought process bleeds down into other things where like, you know, it could bleed into your job. It can bleed into your family life where like you only think that one thing can exist at a time when, you know, the fact that both of those people exist at the same time means that they can both exist at the same time. Like they can have careers. They're not even Cardi and Nikki are just night and day to me. Like they're not, they're similar in the fact that they're both female rappers, but like they were having this conversation on the Joe Budden podcast this week. They're like, they don't function the same when it comes to hip hop, if that makes any sense. Right. Like, they definitely both have their own lane, which there is some overlap, but it's really not the same. Like, Nikki's got her thing, but, like, Cardi has this whole other world of also, like, one of the things that stands in her favor is the fact that she speaks multiple languages, so she can rap in English. Yeah, I think her culture is such a big part of... Yes. Her music and everything like that. And that's really what differentiates her from Nikki because Nikki's also, you know, she's Trinidadian or whatever and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, I mean, those different cultural backgrounds and stuff like that, different experiences, you know, even though they grew up, you know, both in New York or whatever. I mean, how those cultural backgrounds shape their experiences and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And the things that Cardi went through, you know, going from um, working in strip clubs to being on reality TV and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, Nikki went through the you know the internet route where she kind of got discovered from you know hustling and putting her videos and her work and stuff out there on the internet or whatever right. i mean it's two completely different experiences you know and we don't i just have to don't continue to compare the two of them i don't like, get it is... i don't get it i mean i think you we would have so many so much more so many more dope songs and so many more dope collaborations if people could just get past that if the artists themselves could just yeah. get past that i mean you look at like brandy with her i want to be down remix god that's such, one of my that's favorite remixes remix. oh my god the 
listen, the video and the video is not even like, <laughs> there's nothing like particularly exciting. There's no like plot line or storyline to the video. It's just the, it's just them together. It's like her, it's Queen Latifah, it's MC Light and it's Yo-Yo just hanging out, looking hella nineties in the video. They're in color or they're in black and white mm-hmm. and they're just like vibing with each other and just having a good time. Like yeah. Brandy just stepped back and let these women come in and Brandy really brought out like 80s women like rapper pioneers like Queen Latifah, oh, yeah. MC Light and Yo-Yo on the same track. You know, and again, there's no ego anything like that. Everybody just came through and just straight spit their fire and everybody gave everybody their props and it was all good. Have you seen the performance that they did of that a few years ago? Yes. It's literally oh like God. the music video as a performance and everyone just kind of like everybody know, all white background it. and everybody just kind of, you know, comes out and spits their verse and everybody's bigging each other up. Like such a beautiful, iconic moment, like often imitated, never duplicated, will never be seen again. That was, I'm so glad that they got all of them together to do that. Like all of them. I that performance was just magical it is i mean it's just it's, it's crazy you know i mean and you got and a lot of the artists they still like you said they have friendships and stuff like that so you look at like missy and you look at how close she is to kim you know and how they you know they hang and they you know they you know hype each other up when they're doing different projects and they you know show each other love and how she's close mm-hmm. to like sierra and stuff like that or whatever i mean it's just it's a shame. It's really a shame that people are just so caught up in their egos that they can't <laughs> they can't get past that or whatever. Because I mean, there's so many, especially when it comes to like the hip hop arena and stuff like that. Just so many dope remixes, like mm-hmm. Hot Boys or whatever with Missy. Mm-hmm. When she had, I mean, she brought like Eve out. I love Eve. Um, just as an MC, as a person, just all around love Eve or whatever. You know, Did you, you see got her Nas and Janet for crazy. Did, Did she? See? Yeah, she dressed because you know she's on the... like which Janet. Uh, S, no. Uh, All Right, Janet, with the, like, suit, I think. Yes, All Right, Janet. Um, Because you know she's on a talk show now, right? Right, right. The Real or The the Talk talk or something? I think it's The Talk. Yeah, I know she's not on The Real. She went off and married herself a billionaire and it's like, I'm living my best life. Yes. I ain't even mad, Eve. But yeah, she dressed up like Janet and, like, they recreated the video and everything, like, as a part of the show. There's a video floating around the internet somewhere. I'll send it oh to you. Oh, my and God. And put it in the show notes. I need that so much because I do, like, we talked about it in our Janet episode, but I love the All Right video mm-hmm. and how Janet was dressed and kind of like that zoot suit, you know, yeah. performance type vibe or whatever. <sighs> That's amazing. Speaking of remixes, the Janet Jackson and Missy remix of Son of a Gun. That's so fun. That song is so much fun. Yeah, I mean, we just, I don't think we can go an episode without talking about Janet. It's not possible. Is it possible? I don't think it's possible. We talk about Janet and Will. (laughs) I think think it's a law of the podcast that we have to have a Janet Jackson and a Will Smith reference in every single episode. It just, I mean, you can't help it though. Like, it's just, you got to do it. You know, and going back to Kim again, like I, you know, again, I keep circling back around a little Kim, but she was just a part of so much stuff. Like my beach quiet song remix again. I just think everything was better when you added little Kim to it. Pretty much. Just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you want to, you know, you, you need a female rapper up there. Just, okay. Put Kim up there. Pretty it's much. good. It's great. Um, this is not a remix, but speaking of little Kim making everything better when she did a song with Christina Aguilera, can't hold us down. That song right. would not have been as good if little Kim was not on it. Just, it wouldn't have. Yeah, no I mean, and again, you know, like you said, it's a friendship thing or whatever. I think, and I don't think people give Kim enough credit for that, for being yeah. for other women and for being somebody who, generally speaking, you know, doesn't seem to really be caught up in her ego like that. Oh, no. 
Mm-mm. I mean, because even with Christina, like, remember her and Maya and Pink and all of them got together and did Lady Marmalade. So, Iconic. Right. I mean, you know, again, that's not a remix, but that's, that's you know, women collaborating and, you know, nobody was in their ego or any of that stuff. So just it was like, just, we are chilling. It was just super crazy. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's so many, it's impossible to name them all, but it's so many hip hop ones. Like one of my, I guess one of my real like throwback ones is Eric B and Rakim paid in full. So there's like this uh, cold cut remix that's out. And I remember the first time I heard it, I had actually went to a friend's house party. And I mean, it was just kind of meh at first, you know, nobody was really doing anything or anything like that, but they had that extended remix in, you know, and it's kind of weird because they've got like different like intercuts of like, you know, James Brown talking and all the stuff like that, but just mm-hmm. like the beat and everything like that, like had everybody, next thing you know, the whole place was like rocking because right. it's Eric B and Rakim and that was like one of the first like commercial remixes to really have like an international big time success. And so you went from something like that with them and hip hop back in the eighties to like in the early 2000s or even in the 90s like when you get to mariah carey and her remixes and stuff like that you had never really had a r&b artist like a big time commercial r&b artist mm-hmm. that was collaborating with hip-hop like that exactly that honey man honey mm-hmm. first of all that entire video we've talked about this before was just like a game changer for mariah carey but that song oh man, yeah and was crazy it was um, great. Fantasy was great. Heart, I mean, just yes. every remix that she did. Even things the that weren't remixes. The remix like, with Jay-Z. Ugh. <laughs> Why is he in a hot tub in the middle of the music video smoking a song? Yeah, I don't know what was going on with that. We didn't need to see... We didn't need to see that. Oh, Sean. wait. And the Heartbreaker remix with um, Missy again. Missy? And DeBrat. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same people. <laughs> so just all of our remixes just got the same five people <laughs> Missy, Little Kim, Biggie, just all the same people. Mary I'm Jane. Say Little Kim was in that video. Little Kim and Mary Jane was in that video. I'm pretty sure. I was gonna say I'm sure Mary Jane was in the background somewhere. Just I mean, but Mariah Carey, she really, she really did that though, and I, I love that she was willing to stretch out of her, you know, out of her music comfort zone because she had already built like a pretty solid career, mm-hmm. pop career or whatever. She was one of the biggest pop stars in the world. So for her to kind of marry in that hip hop and bring those hip hop artists more of that crossover success was really dope on her part. You know, mm-hmm. it was definitely a turning point in her career doing, you know, the remixes with hip hop artists. And it's kind of like a thing she does now. Like almost every, mm-hmm. she's almost always got like a puff daddy or a Busta rhymes collaboration somewhere. Um, it I mean, is. it stands. I love breakdown too. I know it's not a remix, but I mean, it's got, I mean, how can you Bone Thugs and Harmony mm-hmm. and Mariah Carey mm-hmm. again? Bone Thugs and Harmony. Who thought like, that was gonna singing work? Singing <laughs> on a track, like right? Wait, what? Yeah, but only Mariah could make the work. That's one of my favorite Mariah songs. Period. One of my favorite Mariah Carey songs. Like, just that song is perfect. Like, there's just no way to say like no better way I can say it. But that song is absolutely and totally perfect. It is. It is. We'll hey, you know what? I really like. So like after you get past Mariah Carey and every and you know everyone kind of from the '90s when you're, well, let me see. Let, let's go back, go back to the '90s where we all Mariah Carey and all of them, SWV, and their remixes like the Human Nature remix. First of all, you're running a big risk anytime you're trying to like sample Michael Jackson's voice on a track. Mm-hmm. Cause it just doesn't work most of the time. Like no, really Michael doesn't. Jackson is Michael Jackson, and it just doesn't mesh well. That's probably one of my favorite remixes across any genre 
-hmm. And it's probably one of like the best examples of like just a seamless, perfect remix. Not only a remix of a song, but mashing up of two songs. Right. So it's just like, it was crazy. Pharrell did his thing, which I mean, if you guys don't know, the S-W-U-V, that's Pharrell singing that on a song. Pharrell is a genius and he's a vampire who does not age. An absolute genius. Like the the king of just coming up with incredible creative things and also just like living his private life because we still don't know what his triplets look like. But again, that's a that's a whole nother podcast. Like he just comes out, he does dope things, and then he just goes back into his coffin or wherever it is that he sleeps in. Like you said, he's a vampire and we just don't see him outside of that. You said his coffin. <laughs> oh, where wherever he goes when he's not in the public eye, he just goes back there. His wife looks like that too. Like they just look very they look like really quirky, weird people in the best and I mean that in the best way. But right. I do. I, I just I imagine their house just being like dark and creepy and stuff like that. Mm, I could see it. I bet the kids are weird too. I don't know how old they are. I felt like she had them like two or three years ago, but they're probably weird too. Just a cute look, just a cute little weird family. But yeah, I mean, that SWV remix, as a matter of fact, they have a whole entire album of nothing but remixes. So they did like that. They did anything like with Wu-Tang on it. And everybody knows that remix. Like as soon as it, as soon as the beat drops, you automatically know what that song is. See, remix albums. See, that's like the first remix album that I know exists. I know there was yeah. quite a few like in the early 2000s because Linkin Park actually has an entire remix album they called do. Reanimation. Yep, um, J-Lo did one. Britney dope. did one. Yeah, yeah, Britney did one. Um, Somebody else did a remix album that I can't think of right now because I wasn't thinking about it when I did my notes. But yeah, remix albums are amazing, especially when you have enough content that can be remixed because, you know, not everything needs to be remixed. Right. Um. I actually haven't heard the SWV one. I'm going to go check that one out. But if you haven't listened to the Linkin Park one, it's amazing. Because they're already, as a band, like a nice mashup between hip-hop and art. I mean, hip-hop and rock. Um, and they have so many dope people on it. Oh, Limp Bizkit did a remix album as a rock did artist. They? And they did Yeah, they did a song. Um, they did an entire album of remixes. Um, and I remember this one. They have... a is it rearranged they did a song with method man and red man and it like the remix was dope hmm. um, and the video was ridiculous okay um, i'm gonna have to check that out because i did not yeah. know that with limp biscuit i could see myself into a remix album and again they could be kind of they could be kind of hit or miss like swv's yeah. is probably one of my favorite ones because you know because of human nature and because of mm-hmm. well right here i keep calling it human nature it's the human nature remix but the name of the song is actually right mm-hmm. here then mm-hmm. they've got like i'm so into you they've got anything they've got a weak remix up there like that one's super dope j-lo's you know i'll give her her props j-lo, J-Lo was the queen of the remixes j-lo was the queen of the remix like how mariah carey was kind of doing her thing with you know hip-hop collaborations and stuff like that like j-lo kind of picked up like mariah carey you know walk so j-lo could run i guess you know mm-hmm. and kind of be that like remix queen or whatever because she had like on her she had like ain't that funny um she had i'm real you know just a whole bunch of like good remixes or whatever her and john kind of had like a thing where they were anybody... yeah yeah does anybody ever actually remember what ain't it funny and i'm real like the original sound like like i do and the Jarvel remix is definitely an improvement. <laughs> yeah, I, so I remember what I'm real sounding like, and I and I, you know, again, it ain't it. Um, so I definitely like that. I like that I'm real. Ain't that funny? Ain't it funny? Was like, I think oh, wasn't it like a pop, was... like a pop, like a like 
a more up-tempo pop song yeah it was yeah. like an up-tempo pop like latin feel song but okay like, it's way faster i think she's like doing some type of latin dance in the video and stuff like that outside mm-hmm. but ain't that funny is so much better like <laughs> yeah no i feel like her remixes were better on a lot of things and i pretty much listen to any remix of this is you know don't judge me people but i really do like waiting for tonight i just think it's a fun club song like tonight it is it just gets stuck in my head like every time i hear it it is now that i've talked about it, it's gonna be in my head for the next five days so thanks yep. me for bringing that up but I love any mix of that. Like I've heard several mixes of that, like in different clubs and just going through Spotify and stuff like that. And I just, Oh my God, I love that song so much. It's so fun. Like it just makes me want to dance. Yeah. Makes me think about New Year's Eve. And I think she's got a remix. I can't remember what, which remix it was, but I know that she does have a remix to that song or her J to the LO remix CD. A remix of what song waiting for tonight. Yeah. Oh, but there are multiples out there. I just don't remember which one is on. I know there is one up there. I just don't know which one it is. Hmm. But yeah, I did. I like that one. Um, I don't know. What else? I mean, there's just so many of them. Like, Are we still talking about J-Lo about- remixes? Hello? Sorry, had a technical difficulty there. My bad. Oh, what happened? Say it for me one more time. Oh, I was saying, are we still talking about JLo remixes? Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about some some in general. What's some other remixes and stuff that are kind of your faves? Um, so we've talked a lot about pop and and I mean R and B and hip hop remixes, but I've got a couple of pop remixes that I love. Mm-hmm. Now everybody knows I love the Backstreet Boys. The Call remix is dope, even though it's not like it's a remix in the sense of they changed the beat and they added a rap verse to it, which you know, right, is like low level effort remix but i really love the neptunes beat that they put over top of it the neptunes was killing the game when it comes to pop remixes yes um so the call i love uh even though you can the clips verse on it is okay but like you can tell that the it was just enough clips, to make it for uh, make it a remix right like you could tell that the <laughs> clips in the backstreet boys were not in the same room when this went down yeah, <laughs> like, they, didn't, they didn't try very hard they were like okay we did it we That's collaborated. Fine. We didn't. We didn't have to um, look at each other. It's fine. Basically, um, the Britney Spears Boys remix with Pharrell on it is amazing. I, the original Boys just doesn't exist to me. Even though there's not, the beat's different, and Pharrell's on the remix, and it's not too too different from the original. But I prefer the remix to the original one. Uh, and also Nelly and NSYNC's Girlfriend remix, which is my favorite. They just literally I do. added I love that. a Nelly verse and uh, Justin Timberlake Switched up the beat. runs into it. Yeah. I love those remixes so much. They're some of my favorite like pop remixes of the time of like the early 90s. I mean, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, they weren't really big on remixes in the pop genre, like you were saying, but some of those are definitely my favorites. I love Britney Spears. I'm okay with NSYNC because I'm a Backstreet Boys fan, but um, yeah, just Pharrell was killing it. Like he had everybody on lock when it comes to remixes. Like if you needed a remix in the late 90s, early 2000s, you call Pharrell and Pharrell would hook you up. Right. Pretty um, much Pharrell and Diddy and the bad boys. I mean, if you did a remix with them, it was guaranteed to be a smash, no matter what. You know, one uh bad boy remix that i feel like a lot of people know the song but they don't necessarily know the artist so it's super cat dolly my baby i've never heard the song before in my life. i promise you that you've heard that song or whatever so There's he's like no a miss a dolly miss a dolly my baby and the beat's like 
dun, so it's got like a you know kind of like a I guess like a dance hall-ish type beat or something like that or whatever, but mm-hmm. I promise you've heard that song before. And I mean, I don't know, like the song literally popped in my head a couple of days ago and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that's actually a remix or whatever because they added a couple of like raps in there and stuff like that. Um, and I remember it coming on like in the club and it was like a big thing when I was in college or whatever, even though the song actually came out in the 90s. Like it's just one of those songs that so many people know it when they hear mm-hmm. it, but then they just kind of forget it. And like Supercat was like pretty much like a one hit wonder. But I mean, what a one hit and a half. Yeah. Because the song is super good. Like, I promise you guys, when you listen to it, you're going to be like, oh, that song, which I, we would play it for you, but we don't want to get. Yeah, no. We don't want to get slapped on the wrist um, for any kind of copyright infringement or anything like that. Right. I could even I get in got, trouble for singing it, but I, ain't, I, don't, I don't have, have no money. money. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we're considering this a remix, mm-hmm. but I am. Because it's like one of the greatest songs ever. But the Run DMC and Aerosmith version of Walk This Way versus the original. Like, it's the same lyrics. It's not a remix, but it's great, right? Pretty much. Like, it's the same lyrics and technically the same song. But putting Run DMC on it took that song to another level. And it's still one of my favorite songs. And I feel like I'm one of the few people in my circle that actually knows the lyrics. Oh, yeah. No, I love this song. But still. I also just love Aerosmith in general. So I had to put that on the list. It might not necessarily be a remix to some of y'all. I kind of can. It's like a slant sideways adjacent remix. We we can we can allow it. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. It's pretty good. Because there's definitely two different versions of it. Um, the other one does not slap nearly as hard though. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's the crazy thing about remixes though is that, and I said this before with Biggie and One More Chance or whatever. Like sometimes the remix is just so much better. Like it just makes it better. Like with Little Kim, Crush on You. Like the original mm. version was just like little mm. C's rapping or whatever. Um, Cause I remember I was looking for it on Spotify like a few months ago. And mm-hmm. when I got to the, I it kept, I kept finding the original one. And I'm like, where is Kim? Like, it's just him rapping. And then the next verse was him. And then the next verse was him. And I'm like, this is not, this is not what I was looking for. Right. And then I finally found the one with Kim on it. Like, again, Kim came through videos iconic. Cause Man. Kim was just, I mean, with the colors and stuff like that, I mean, I saw multiple people like on my like personal her. timelines dressed up like her for for Halloween. Didn't Beyonce do one of her outfits one year? Beyonce did. Say, she was her last year, so she did like she the was crush like on six you things. Little Kim. Yeah, she did crush on you. She did the and I can't remember what video it was from now, but it was the one where she was with Big and she had on like the red pants and the Fendi suspenders mm-hmm. and yes. stuff. She did that. She did the look where Little Kim had the blue hair with the um, Chanel C's on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, what else? She did like a whole bunch of Lil' Kim looks. She was like six different Lil' Yeah, Kim she was like six or seven different Lil' Kims. And again, Lil' I Kim was, was just like so delighted. Like, I just love how delighted she is. Like when it, when anybody like gives her props and stuff like that. She was like, yeah. oh my God, from what, you know, she was like, you know, the queen bee dressed like me, the queen bee, you know? So mm-hmm. it is, I'd like to see them collaborate. I was literally thinking that exact same thing at this very moment. That would be so dope. Like, one thing that people don't talk about, not to get too far off topic, but Beyonce and Missy Elliott have, like, so many, like, album cuts together. Oh, my God. That never came out. And I'm like, why? The only thing they have given, like, the mainstream people that have actually, like, come out on the radio was, like, the Bootylicious remix. And I don't even like it. You don't? I no. love that song. So, like, the one, <laughs> you know, again, I guess they kind of circles back around the remixes, but I don't like the Bootylicious remix. I just... And I, mean, I love I, like I love Missy Elliott. Better Elliot, than the but, original. Mm, I don't but like I it like at it. all. 
I don't know, maybe something's wrong with me with that, but I just, it wasn't for me. And I do like some Destiny's Child remixes. Like, I love the No, No, No remix. See, here's the thing about the No, No, No remix. The song that, like, when you say No, 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 the song that's playing in your head is the remix. Right. And it's not the original song. Yeah, because remember, the original song is, like, much slower. Yeah. And to me, that, the slower one, the original was just kind of forgettable. Like, the video was forgettable and everything like that. But I feel like No, No, No was, like, what really put them on the map. And it kind of was, like, the beginning of them crafting their sound. Mm-hmm. Which they really kind of got together and developed for Writings on the Wall, which is like one of my yes. favorite albums ever. Um, you know, and then I love to go back and listen to the No, No, No remix, if nothing else, just to listen to Beyonce. Like, it's so crazy when you go back and listen to early Destiny's Child songs and you hear her voice. Because mm-hmm. she sounds the same, but so different at the same time because she's just matured so much vocally over the years, you know? Wait, they had a remix album too? Wow. Yeah. I forgot all about that. But I do, I do remember that they had a remix album, whatever. But like the No, No, No remix, I love that remix. Great. Mm-hmm. Get Me Body remix, like later on going, you know, to Beyonce. I love the Get Me Body remix. Timbaland. Me too. You got the little, you know, drop down low and sweep the flow with it. I love it. it. It's so fun. Ain't nobody doing no dropping. Listen. There's a remix of Jumpin' Jumpin' that I forgot existed. I love that song. Yes. I oh, do. God. They had good remixes. They did. The R and B chicks. Now I want to go really listen to that. Now I want to go listen to all of that stuff. Let me go. Which find be, which Beyonce makes title. me mad anyway because she be trying to act like the B Day album don't exist sometimes. I'm like, I see you, Beyonce. You at the concert, you just be skipping over a lot of those songs. <laughs> don't act like that album didn't exist. We heard it, and I liked it, even if other people didn't like it or whatever. She'll she'll do a Sasha Fierce song from I Am Sasha Fierce, but she doesn't really seem to like that album that much either. I don't know if maybe oh, she's no. just looking she back in hindsight. Like, dust. She pays them albums dust so hard. But I feel like she'll do a Sasha Fierce album song before she'll do a B-Day one. And I'm like, you need to do that Get Me Body remix. You ain't have nobody else on that track, Beyonce. It was just you. I want mm-hmm. you to do that at your next concert. Stop playing with us because I love that remix. And it's great. I mean, I'm just glad she put I Care back on the track list. I mean, well, at least she did it for Beachella, which... I care is one of my favorite Beyonce songs ever. Like, y'all can have all the other things, but I care is my jam, and to hear her go off on it made me so happy. Oh yeah, yeah, she did it at um the joint tour, the on the on the run tour. Okay, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if she, I didn't go, so I wasn't sure if she took it off the set list or not. Um, oh, B Day is the one that's got upgrade you on it, which she forgets that the, that song exists. I don't understand. Like, why well. are you why are you leaving these things out? Anyway, I don't understand. just. Bye Beyonce. You can't be body remixes good. Stop stop acting like it stop acting like that remix wasn't good. I love it. I love the video too. It's super cute. Oh god. It's got her and Solange and, and Michelle Kelly and, and Michelle. Kelly and they're all dressed up with their stilettos and their little silver and black dresses on and they just look like they're having a good time. They do. Uh that song is so much fun. And I know this is not a remix, but speaking of Beyonce having fun, my other favorite song of hers where she just has a ball is um uh dang it. I can see the song and hear the dance. End of time. Sorry. I was thinking about the end of time stomp at the beginning. Oh, yeah. I love that song. And she has way too much fun singing that song in any concert that I've seen her in. But anyways, continue. She does. No, she seems to really, really love that song. So, I mean, yeah, it was just Destiny's Child had a lot of good ones or whatever. Um, 
speaking of R&B, so I know, and we talked about this before, how Ghost Town DJs, my boo, kind of has come back into the R&B lexicon lately or whatever, because you had Sierra that sampled it on um, Body Party. And then you had like the whole Running Man challenge where people were doing a dance that's not the Running Man, but they were calling it the Running Man to that song, which is fine. You know, I get it. It's, you know, the kids, the kids enjoyed it and all the stuff like that. So it's whatever. But the one thing I loved about it was that it brought that song kind of back up into the spotlight, like put it back on like the Billboard album and everything like it was super crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, But that song actually has a club mix. And yeah, so the original song is maybe like three and a half, four minutes long. This one is more like six or seven minutes long. And I mean, there's no new verses or anything like that. They like kind of loop the hook around a couple more times and then they just do like, like an extended instrumental at the end. But I love that because I'm like, why not make that song longer? Like it's, it's the perfect, it's the perfect remix. Why not? It's a great mix. Just make it longer. It's perfection. So, I mean, I'm like, why not give us six or seven minutes of that? But yeah, same thing. You hear that in the club and it's on the extra time, man. That's one of my favorites. I'm still dancing. It's not even, still I was going to say, it's not even, it's not even really, I don't even know if it really kept technically counts as a remix. It's more than, more so than like an extended mix, but I don't care. I love it. It's the best. This is the remix. So many, so many good remixes and like, I'm fairly certain there's going to be more great remixes to come, but you know, the, the nineties and the early two thousands are definitely like the golden era of remixes. Um, yeah yeah it really is i mean it's just like you said it just puts a whole different it can give a different perspective on a song it can just make it you know fun to listen to in the club um you know it brings people together (laughs) from different Mm -hmm. genres and stuff like that like one example that i almost forgot to mention was like Sinead o'connor so she did a um basically like a different it's not really a remix like i guess maybe it's like an alternate version um Mm -hmm. of i want your hands on me and she paired up with mc light that is like I saw that in the show notes and was like, super, wait a minute, what? Yeah, which is super, and but I actually really like it though. Um, and so you get artists like that that you would have never thought would work together in a million years, and you could bring them together on a song, bring fandoms, you know, different fans together mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it is. We love remixes so much. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like remixes are falling off? I, think I mean, not really. I that... guess you do see some sometimes or whatever, like Jay will do some, you know, some good remixes and stuff, but. Well, yeah, but like, I think a lot of the people that do remixes, like, you know, the Missies and the Puff Daddies and all that stuff, like, they're just not, they're still out there doing their thing, but like, there's not a whole lot of new music, nor people like, the remixes that we like are the remixes that we like, and I don't necessarily know if remixes these days would have a whole lot of traction because music is so disposable now like there's so many artists out there mm-hmm. doing their thing and like anybody um can you know put an album out and the market is already so saturated so i don't necessarily know if like the music industry can handle remixes to the right. level that they've used to be able to if that makes any sense yeah. and you know i think the male um, r&b artists they pretty much kind of hop together especially like the newer age ones or whatever so like your um, your race tremors, your uh, Migos and stuff like that. They just kind of hop together on tracks anyway. Right. So there's really not much of a need to do a remix because sometimes it may be 10 of them, 10 of them jokers on a track together already. So I'm like, that's, way too that's the original, <laughs> that's the original and the remix right there. Like you're good or whatever. So, I mean, right. they do, they, 
I see it with the male hip hop artists where they still kind of have like that collaborative spirit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though it may not be some people, I mean, different, of course, you know, I love Migos personally, um, but OT Genesis and all those people like that. And a lot of the younger guys that are, you know, kind of up and coming and the new guys that are kind of leading the hip hop game now. Some people mm-hmm. may not be into them or whatever, but that's one thing that I do give them credit for. Um, you know, I mean, you still have like your beefs and all the stuff like that. Um, right. They don't battle rap the way that. I would like to see it done. Um, and a lot of them mm-hmm. just don't have the range to do it, you know, Mm-mm. but I do love that they have that collaborative spirit where they'll kind of like run together. You'll see them taking photos together. You'll see them collaborating right. on tracks together and stuff like that. So I kind of like that or whatever, but again, I just wish I saw more of that with the female hip hop rappers. Yeah. And there are so many out there that are doing, you have like Rhapsody and people like that, that are so dope that just really don't get that shine because people feel like it's only yeah. space for a Nicki Minaj and a Cardi B. You know, when there are so many other than just for the two of them. And there are so many other women out there that are rapping and that are putting out quality music and stuff, you know. Um, And I'd like to see more remixes with female R&B artists. Yes. Coming together, because even back then, you don't you didn't really see a whole lot of that. Like you didn't really see a remix. Like usually if it was a remix, it was a rapper jumping on the track. You know, or vice versa or whatever. But I'm like, what about a remix where you bring in a bunch of other people who do the same type of genre of what you do? Yeah, like a Lady Marmalade where you've got Maya and right. Pink and Christina Aguilera on the track together. I'm not excluding Little Kim on purpose. I, right, no, but they're the not, singers on the track. Right. Yeah, like, is what you're saying. Yeah. I'll have a different vibe. I'll sing. Like, they're all singers and they're all fantastic, but they all kind of have a different lane that they occupy and they just came together and killed it. Like Right. Yeah, I'd love to see a collaboration like that. Like, I'd like to see Beyonce remix something and put Janelle Monet on the track. Like have Janelle Monet rapping on the track. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. You know, I mean, just you know, different things like that. And I, you know, I know Beyonce is, you know, kind of, you know, definitely um, keeps her music kind of in a bubble, and she really doesn't do a whole lot of too many collaborations and stuff like that anymore. I mean, she does to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. you know, I would love to see something like that, or like I would like to see Janelle and Solange link back up again because Electric Lady is like yes. one of my favorite songs. Like. Janelle could take any any of her tracks or whatever and remix it and throw Solange on or vice versa, you know, kind of put her on that mm-hmm. track or whatever. I want to see more stuff like that. Like, I mean, I to mean, me, that's the, my favorite part of the remix is the collaborative process. Solange has got a new album coming out. So, you know, the possibility of a Solange and Monet collaboration is strong at the moment. It is. So we would, get it. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be super dope. So do I'll you wait. have anything else you want to add to the remix conversation? Uh, nope. I think I'm going to make a playlist. Either I'm getting off this thing and I'm going to make a playlist or I'm going to go ahead and edit this podcast. One of those two things are going to happen. Maybe neither. Who knows? Um, I was going to say, or nah, you could just I'm, sit on the couch and do nothing. Uh, that one is probably more likely to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I ain't even going to lie. Um, I don't know. But remixes are awesome. And, you know, Anything that can make a track better. I have no problem with remixes. Like, I know we've had a, we had an entire podcast on reboots or like, you know, not every cover song is good, but I really have a soft spot for remixes and being able to reimagine a song in a different way, even after it's recorded, because especially when it makes an improvement upon the original song. Right. Um, more remixes, I say, give me all the remixes, give me the remix albums, um, re-record a whole album with a collaborator, like do... I love the creative process. And so remixes are just a huge part of the creative process. To right. Me. So right. And it remixes. shows that you're really putting so much into your craft and so much into a song. It's like, I think enough about this 
this this piece of work that I've done that I want to try to see if there are different avenues and different ways that I can kind of stretch this out. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, to me, that just shows so much, so, so much care and stuff. So it does. I do love the remixes and stuff. But that is mm, all we've got for you today, guys. So let us know what your favorite remixes are, um, especially in some of those genres that we may not have covered today. So if you got like some um, great uh, EDM remixes or something like that, then Ooh. yeah, let us know what kind of remixes you're into. If there are, and forgive my, I may be ignorant about this, um, and it's not saying I don't listen to country music. If there are country music remixes, please tell me Send about them. them to Ty. Because I want to listen to them, number one. I want them. And number two, I just want to know if it's a thing. Like, first, I want to know if it's a thing. And if it is a thing, I need, I'm just curious to know what a country music remix sounds like because I'm not putting that together in my head. It's not, I mean, it's not clicking at all. And I mean, Nelly, I, my country music, like knowledge, like I like, like Shania Twain and I like some Dixie mm-hmm. Chick songs. I like a few songs here and there. Um, but I'm not like deep into, you know, country or anything. I don't have a problem with it. No. But I mean, outside of like a few set artists, I don't really listen to it enough on a regular basis to really have an opinion about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if country music remixes are a thing, please let me know. Send them to Ty. Send them to me. I'll listen to them. I'll listen to I just about anything. I don't do country music. Like my favorite Backstreet Boys doing country music, and I'm just kind of like, wait. What are you doing? <laughs> You're not gonna That's all to I'm gonna say about that. Because I'm not trying to get in trouble with none of my Backstreet Boys fan fan friends. But I I have so many questions and so many thoughts. <laughs> That's a shame. You're not gonna listen to that man do his country music. No, I did not say that. <laughs> I'm going to. He's my favorite Backstreet Boy. I will support him through anything. I just have some questions. But you're just not, you're going to not like it deep down inside. I just have Maybe. some questions. You just That's have some questions. Christina's being very <laughs> diplomatic about this because she's not trying to, she's not trying to start anything. But yeah, that's all we've got for today, guys. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, Again, if you've got any other kind of remixes, anything that we may not have covered or something you want to talk about to keep the conversation going, find us on Twitter at Nostalgia Mix Pod. Uh, use the hashtag Nostalgia Mix Pod or just add us but we would like it if you use the hashtag. That would be great. I'd mm-hmm. like to see more more engagement and stuff there. So that would be awesome. Um, and let us know what you guys are thinking. And we will see you all next time. Yep, yep. We'll see you guys soon. For the Bye-bye. final episode. For the, the season. Woo! Bye, guys. Have a great week. Bye.